This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us for worship Sundays at 10 a.m. Visit us online at holytrinityrec.org. Find us on Facebook as Holy Trinity Houston, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram as Holy Trinity REC. Enjoy the sermon. Return to the Lord your God. This phrase in our lesson tonight from the prophet Joel states the goal of Lent, of really the goal of every moment of our lives. We live in a fallen world that demands at every turn that we turn our backs from God, that we turn our lives to sin and death. Many that do not want to deal with their own sins take a half-measured approach to Lent. The temptation turns to using Lent to focus on the sins of others, telling them to stop what they're doing. I read recently of a group in England that was going to stage a sort of Lenten protest against the Church of England, against their sins of harming the environment. We can do the same in conservative circles, finding a sin that we don't have a problem with and dedicate our lens to focusing on how those people need to stop what they're doing. But the approach of the ancient church, of what we read in scripture with places such as Nineveh, repenting when they were confronted with their sins, is much different from the modern pharisaical approaches of pointing out the sins of others while not dealing with our own sin. It's fine to pray for the salvation of the lost. We do this all the time. We're called to do this, that they turn their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ with us. But if this focus takes us away from self-examination of our own sin, we do ourselves a disservice. Our worship tonight of placing ashes upon our foreheads and dedicating ourselves to repentance, of preparing our hearts over these next 40 days to see anew our need for Jesus Christ as our Savior, points us to self-reflection, to self-examination. It does not point us to examine those around us, but solely to self-examination of our own need for a Savior in Jesus Christ. This evening, let us look briefly through the lens of our lesson in Joel of the importance of the simplicity of getting back to the basics of dealing with our own sin. First, the last part of verse 13 about returning to God is crucial, for it states the assured reason and hope we have for turning back to the Lord in the first place. Often in life, much is not assured, with little to no hope, shots in the dark, But with God, his answer is his son, Jesus Christ. His answer is eternal, transcending this short and often painful life for eternal bliss in his presence. It makes the suffering we endure in the little time we have to be nothing worth compared to eternal glory in his presence. The last part of verse 13 is most joyful, giving us hope in when we turn to the Lord our God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. The first line of the first part of verse 13 is key regarding our turning to God and rend your heart and not your garments. 
These are important words in a world that values empty shows over substance and truth. Fasting, weeping, and mourning must have a heart of faith behind it. Otherwise, they are just masks to hide our quest to point out the sins of others while we ignore our own. Our Lord answers all our inadequacies with his love and his mercy. When we fall, he calls us back. He picks us up. He grants us pardon. Knowing our Lord Jesus Christ is an all to redeem us, all we have left is to return to him with all our hearts, as verse 12 of our lesson tonight stated. To come to this worship service each year, we are encouraged to examine our own hearts for the areas where we need forgiveness, where we need amendment of life. We are encouraged to rend our hearts to deal with where we are amiss with God and our neighbors. When dealing with sin, Lent teaches us to deal with our own hearts throughout. This keeps us humble. It keeps us grounded, away from the temptation to look around at others and their flaws. We are only to look to God for help. We are only to look to God as he helps us. It is not our role as Christians to ask those around us how we're doing. Our focus must not be to look to ourselves and to how well we are doing, to do a self-check. That is not self-examination. There's a danger in focusing, if you will, on fruit-gazing, on saying, look at what I did. Rather, the role in fruit-bearing is going towards giving our fruit for the needs of others and those around us. The The key to keeping this balance is how God treats us in his love. His treatment of us fosters good fruit. In our gratitude, our response is not to say, look at how much fruit I'm bearing for you, but rather, where can I give my fruit for the needs of others? God is gracious and merciful to us. Such actions towards us is fostered in us for us to be gracious, for us to be merciful to others. Christ speaks of such throughout the Gospels, of how we are to treat each other, of how we are to respond in gratitude to his forgiveness. As Jesus said in Matthew six fifteen. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Grace and the mercy of God are not cheap. They were purchased with the ultimate price of the death of Jesus Christ. When we treat the sins of others as if we are God and can choose not to forgive in the face of earnest and heartfelt repentance, we cheapen God's grace and mercy. It's extremely tough to forgive through grace and mercy to people that have mistreated us. Yet the fruit of such, when we truly forgive those we do not want to forgive, is very filling and needed. When we withhold grace and mercy, we are no better than the unforgiving servant in that parable. No matter how many excuses we give or how justified we feel emotionally in getting back at those that have hurt us through refusing them forgiveness. Ash Wednesday is all about God's grace and mercy. All of us showing up in the middle of our busy weeks to put up with the traffic and our hectic schedules. Our very presence with each other tonight reveals God's merciful grace all around us as we gather, entering this Lent together around the Lord's table 
in Christian charity. We rend our hearts, turning to God with all the heart by seeking to instill godly disciplines that help us truly to be slow to anger, as God is with all of us. Some of the toughest circumstances in which to show mercy, grace, steadfast love, and to relent from disaster are the situations in our, lo- in our lives that test our patience, that make us to just want to give up. A heart turned back to God is fostered through God's patience with us, built up towards a patient disposition to others. Yet we are redeemed sinners in need of constant assistance and constant help with our patience. Ash Wednesday is a discipline in itself to arrive faithfully to a full, longer service of worship, dedicating ourselves to focus at a heightened level upon our need for Jesus Christ and our need to bear his fruit for the benefit of others. This takes discipline. We all need discipline in our lives, especially in our relationship with Jesus Christ and to his church. Too often we only give discipline the time of day regarding secular matters in terms of good practices with our education or our work and so forth. But the Christian life must be disciplined under our Savior Jesus Christ. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9.27, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. And further, Paul wrote in Romans 6, 19, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Discipline means to keep down, to keep in subjection. As the Romans passage indicates, we have no issues usually in our lives of subjecting our bodies to the discipline of sin and death. But in Jesus Christ, turning away from sin and to him, we must now present our bodies as slaves of righteousness, submitting our lives to his work of sanctification, of constantly cleansing us, constantly building us up. Teachings that strive to tell us that we are free from such things are erroneous and dangerous to our souls. We need Christ. We need his discipline, enabling us to love others as we are commanded to love, even those that are not easy to love. Lent is a time to teach and relearn Christian disciplines to aid us in a deeper reliance upon our Savior. We must strike a balance between the tendency to make disciplines a look at how well I am doing endeavor and the tendency to avoiding all disciplines altogether. Traditionally, the historic church has given us five general areas of discipline to undertake during Lent to help us train us up and how to grow in Christ. All the disciplines we undertake are not not meant to take up only for Lent, to leave after. Rather, the disciplines we take up in Lent are meant to maintain for the rest of our lives. The first area that we see generally in church history in terms of disciplines in Lent are our daily prayers and Bible readings according to the church calendar, what we call morning and evening prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. 
This is something we should all be doing as Christians, praying daily, reading God's word daily. Lent gives us an opportunity to take these important Christian mandates of prayer and Bible reading back up into our daily lives if we let them go. The second area is to review daily our vows and promises made when we first became Christians. For us in the Anglican tradition, this involves for Lent reading through the baptismal office in the Book of Common Prayer every day. This can be a very healthy exercise, getting to our very basics of coming to the faith. For the clergy, this involves also reading their ordination vows every day of Lent. This reading through the baptismal service can be done as an individual or as a family together. And it's a worthy exercise to know who we are, to know our foundation. The third area that we see traditionally in church history are acts of mercy and love during Lent. These are things we should be doing anyway as Christians. Yet as with many things, we can let these things go dormant. Find an area you are passionate about during this Lent to help out with. There are many areas of need in our city. If you feel led to do something more in terms of ending abortion, volunteer your time at a women's shelter, a support organization that works to support women to carry their babies to term. If you're concerned over hunger, volunteer at a soup kitchen. Find something you can help with and want to help with and put your time and your fruit into the lives of others. The fourth area involves adding a penitential book of the Bible or a longer chapter from the Bible to study throughout Lent at a deep level. Ideas for such is to read through the 51st Psalm or all the penitential Psalms. Or another well-known penitential book to read through would be the Book of Lamentations. Find a book or a series of chapters like that to study in this season. Fifth and finally, To take up the fasts of the church has called for from earliest of times. This is in addition to the Lenten fast you may take up individually or as families. Traditionally, in our own time, this fast means to abstain from meats on Fridays during Lent while substituting fish, if you so desire, and the ember days of Lent, which will occur this year on Marches 4th, 6th, and 7th. The ember days are days in the church year where the church prays for those that are entering the ministry. Fasting and prayer are important for what we see in scripture and it models what we see our Lord Jesus Christ doing as he embarks upon his ministry going into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. When connected with the heart, turning to God through rending the heart first, the outward fasts are extremely helpful to our growth to our Christian discipline. These five areas are suggestions to take up in the call upon all of us to discipline our bodies and our souls under Christ alone. Again, the important issue is returning to God on a daily level with all the heart. These five areas can be helpful to give us an avenue to embark upon needed self-discipline in Christ for Lent and for the rest of our lives. Lent gives us opportunities every year to do what we should be doing year-round in the service of Christ. It is part of our human nature to forget, to let things slide by, neglecting what we need to do in order to grow and bear fruit. 
Recognizing this, the church from earliest times gives us these 40 days in Lent to get back on track and to continue or to continue to add upon what the Lord has already strengthened us this in our lives. May we this night take up this season of fasting and discipline to the glory of our Savior alone. Return to the Lord your God. Amen.